Welcome to the Happy Pill Podcast. I'm Ursula Yerdun. In each episode, you're going to hear me share my story while offering information and resources while you continue on your journey of surpassing the effects of abuse and depression. I'm going to be doing some interviews with some very special guests who are going to share their journey and processes because my way is not the only way of healing. And the more information we have, the more we can share with one another. My hope is that you find love, inspiration, and purpose for your life. So let's get started. friends, welcome back to another episode of the Happy Peel Podcast. I'm always excited that you're here. I'm excited when anybody wants to come in and listen and to, you know, maybe make some comments or, you know, just say hi, listen to some information. I'm really appreciative of it. So thank you for coming in. I'm also learning that I have to correct some of my (laughs) boo-boos. I'm still learning this medium and it's great. I love it. I think it's, I don't know, some reason I'm gelling with it, but I'm also making some mistakes. So I guess that's what the intro for the next episode is, is correcting some of those mistakes. In the last one, I had mistakenly said that disease was two words that should be separated when indeed it's actually just one word. Yes, you all know that, but I I, I spoke incorrectly. It's one word split into two words dis-ease. And this was in reference uh, that I had made to the dis-ease in the body and trying to get the body back in ease. So hopefully I've cleared that up now. It is one word, not two words. And I think that was it. Was that my only boo-boo? I don't know. (laughs) There's probably other boo-boos. And if you want to let me know, great, awesome. Uh, Sometimes I can catch them and sometimes I don't. So there we go. That one's done. Moving on. In this episode, I want to finish um, giving the, you the gist of my story while clearing up its timeline a bit. I felt like it was a little bit fragmented in the last episode, so I'm wanting to just clean something up a little bit so that people don't, so that people aren't confused, so that you're not confused. And also, I want to announce that next week, yay, I'll be having my first interview my first guest, my first interview with Melanie Haggard. So I'm not going to say anything more about that. I'm just excited that this episode is coming forward. By now, you've already heard me talk about the abuse that I had received from, you know, three to 10, lasted seven years. Um, And the memories that I could recall were from the molestations. So I just wanted to clear up that I didn't know about the sexual assaults. I didn't know about the rapes until I was 44. So, and I'm going to explain um, how that happened. So what I remember or why I didn't remember being raped as a little girl was because I had developed a form of dissociative disorder or DD as it can be called sometimes. Mine is a, as an amnesia where I don't remember, um, the actual assaults because, uh, over the course of, over the course of long-term traumatic episodes, such as in my case, the mind can disassociate the memory of the abuse. And that's what happened to me. So I don't have the mental memories of the rapes. I do have certain memories of being molested though. Now, why do I say mental memories? Well, that's because my body still holds memories 
of the assaults, so does my emotions, so does my spirit. And I'll try and explain that a little bit later if I can. Remember how I talked about the four bodies in the last episode? The mental, the physical, emotional, and spiritual bodies that we all have. And so this is it. So the amnesia affected the mental uh, body of myself, but the other, um, the other bodies actually still hold some of those memories. So just a couple of years ago, um, well, I was 44, and I had a Reiki healing session that brought this past trauma back to life where the final piece of the puzzle was put into place. And this was really important for me because I had always struggled with, um, with the molestations and feeling that there was always something more, but I couldn't place it. I didn't know where it was coming from and I didn't have the mental memories. And I still didn't have the mental memories after uh, once, I had all, once I had discovered this. I mean, I do believe that those memories were, are still in my brain somewhere. I think my brain is honestly magnificent and it probably just locked it away. I kind of imagine it being locked in a secure filing cabinet to protect me. And so the more if I continue to dig into them, well, then I think more of those memories are going to come out. So after discovering this at 44, I went into immediate shock of all of the information and it put me into acute PTSD right away. And now it became clear to me why my body, my emotions and my misalignment with spirit were always activated. The reaction I had felt towards men didn't gel with me. Like there was always this gap I couldn't explain. I just knew that I didn't want to be around men as, and my reactions showcased this, right? And they had always been a problem. This has always been a problem for me. I'd have adverse reactions to men and their genitals. Like I was extremely angry regarding anything to do with sex and assault. And I felt like that they would weaponize their genitals to hurt people. And my body would naturally react negatively when it came to anything intimate. And whether that was with men or women, but it was definitely worse, way, way worse when it came to men. And I thought that was because I couldn't remember the assaults that none of this ever happened. I get quite triggered seeing assault on film and TV. So I had assumed because I was still unaware that the memories of the mind were the only factor in knowing if I was raped or not. And if I didn't have those, well, then I wasn't validated. But I have since discovered that that is not the case at all. In fact, once I began to learn more about the abuse, how I felt, what was going on with my body, my spirit, my emotions, I learned that from my therapists and my doctors that indeed there are many memories that can recall abuse, meaning that the mind and my mind in particular can block the trauma, but there are other areas of the body that will retain those memories and sensory memories. So once this awareness came out, I felt like I was now, and I use quotes in this, that I'm supposed to remember that, and again, quote, I should remember, right? And should is a very um, challenging word because it elicits a lot of guilt. And so once I discovered about the rapes, I was going to force myself to remember because I felt I was supposed to put this asshole away that in and of itself is already tortured to my mind. I asked my spirit guides one night, I said, you know what, what do you want me to know? 
Because my truth was, I didn't want to remember, but I felt like it was some sort of duty that I should recall, that I should remember. So I asked for their guidance before bed, and for effing sakes, oh my god, I had the most terrible PTSD dream I have ever had. It shook me so bad that I was just out of sorts for like like two weeks. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't sleep. I could barely work. And because I was in, already in acute PTSD, I could barely work as it was. And I was fortunate enough to be able to reduce my days at work until I could heal, right? And I did take that time off to heal. And so if you're hearing some of this water and stuff going on in the background, that's that's my neighbors. Um, yeah, I'm in an apartment building right now. So uh, yeah, I guess it's just that time of day. So if you're going to hear any extra noise, either I mean, they're banging on the table or the neighbors are flushing. <laughs> okay. Anyway, let me get back to my story here. Um, it wasn't the only nightmare that I would have. Um, and I did have another one and I was so terrified Oh my God. And that's what I felt in and out of those dreams. I felt sheer terror. And I know fear because I've lived my entire life in fear, but terror, terror is a, an entirely different feeling. It is, it is so accelerated and I don't wish that on anybody. Um, it, it's absolutely terrible. So this is why I feel like my dissociative amnesia was actually protecting me. It's just, it's just way too much for me to handle. So I, I just said no more. And I, I just said, no, I can't do it. So that's why I don't have the mental memories. And I fully admit that I feel very blessed by that. Um, you know, I know people that do have the memories and it it's, it's terrible. You know, it's terrible. The little things that I do remember, you know, it's hard enough as it is. So it doesn't mean that I can't or that I won't at some point in my life actually have those memories come through but where I am right now I'm very blessed that they don't so in some way I totally believe that my brain is protecting me and and I'm grateful for that and it was actually my therapist who told me that this is a common reaction to victims of sexual assault a very common reaction I had no idea so while I was in my early 20s and started counseling I couldn't explain anything to them very clearly because of the few memories that I had. So I didn't think that my issues were that great. I didn't think my problems were that great. But over the years of healing, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion. Some layers are very thick and some layers are very thin. But all of it was leading me to fully understand what had happened to me. And I am grateful that I had these decades of healing behind me to help pad the blow of this new information that was coming through. So what I had done in the past is that I had minimized my abuse because I knew that there were other people out there who suffered more severely than I did. We all hear it all the time, right? There's people worse off than you. Don't we hear that from like family and from the news, right? Like this is a form of guilt suppression um, that we feel because someone can always have it worse off than you. And we should be thankful that we don't have it that bad. Well, as true as that is, how, how do we then deal with the stuff that we're feeling if we're never really allowed to accept what we're feeling and to understand what we're going through? And how do we, how do we fully heal that? And so while it's true, I, you know, I, I understand that, that yes, there's many people that have terrible things happen, I also feel it's detrimental to our health if we don't have the opportunity to heal our wounds because other people can't or are unable to at the moment. 
I think the worst thing we can do to ourselves is suppress these emotions because we keep the abuse active within our bodies on all the level and everybody deserves the right to heal. Like that, I, I think we, we need that. And if you recall in episode three, where I'm quoting Deepak Chopra, who says in his guided meditation, no one is free from the need to heal, then there is no need for any of us, myself included, to minimize our pain because it will not serve us. If we can heal ourselves, then we have the opportunity to share that information that may help someone else. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go through a list here that I've discovered for myself over the years about how memories can be more than just memories of the mind. Maybe you have some others and maybe you'd like to share. I mean, I think that would be amazing. So I can only share with what, what I know right now. Okay, so for me, one of them is sound. There are certain pieces of music that will trigger emotional memories for me. And especially music from the 60s and 70s, like ABBA, for example. I mean, they have great music. I mean, this is an iconic band, but it can really trigger me and my body goes into tension and I quite often have to turn off the music. I have to turn it off right away because I just feel tense and then I feel gross and it's like my body is flashing back to a different time. You know, that makes sense. There are certain words. Like this guy, he would always use words like, do you want me to chase you around? I'm going to come and tickle you. You know, it's shit like that. You know, it's, uh, it's those triggers, that kind of trigger uh, sets um, my body completely tense, right? I, I, I react and then I, I just want to run away. And those are classic predatory terms, aren't they? Another sound would be tone, right? Um, there's another sound that can affect memories, especially when someone is mad or angry, accusatory, or trying to elicit blame. Like, here's, here's an example. If you loved me, you do this, right? So it's not just the words in themselves. It's also the tone, right? Because it's eliciting, eliciting a kind of guilt and a tone to trigger you into doing something. So tone can be a trigger for me as well. Smell. This is a huge sensory perception, right? There, there's one particular scent in the summertime here that throws me back to a time of extreme loneliness as a little girl being raised out in the country. And it was a small hamlet outside of Calgary called Delroy. That's where this, this had happened. And this is where I was raised and, and this is where I recall deep loneliness. And it was blended with some summer heat that brings these certain flowers or weeds and the smell into the air. It's like this hot, sweet smell and my emotions are instantly triggered by that. Like just instantly. Like, isn't that interesting? And I'm more susceptible to summertime smells than in the other seasons. This is something that I've noticed. So there is, there's a scent that's, that's triggering an emotion. Touch. There are places on my body that I cannot stand to be touched by a partner and especially my breasts. If you recall in my story about how I grew up so quickly, then you can understand how sensitive I am in this area and with this issue. When I get into an intimate relationship, uh, some of my female body parts begin to react and become painful, actually. And this is true. For example, um, my ovaries will act up and become painful and, and I'm in discomfort. 
So when I'm not in a relationship, they tend to settle down. They become triggered when there is sex and intimacy involved. So this becomes an active memory for me. And when it's present, uh, that's the time for me to do some deeper healing work. And I've done that over the years. And I'm actually going to do um, an episode in a series called Sex and Sexuality Later. No, it's not that kind of you know, uh, show. But I'm going to talk about the body and how my body has reacted to these things. So I'll do that at a later date. Feelings. Just the constant pressure of being in an intimate relationship uh, and what that's like, it, it tends to buckle me at the knees sometimes that, you know, that sex is always lingering in the air and that buildup of pressure makes me leave relationships. This recognition happened in my last relationship and once again, it wasn't something I was tuned into before, but this was something that I've always felt. And again, it didn't matter whether it's with guys or, or with girls. I can't stand the pressure. It doesn't mean that I don't want a relationship. It just means I need to find someone who's more compatible in that intimate level. And that was something I, you know, that's something I've really discovered because oh, having that pressure and always feeling that it exists, it's just way too heavy. That energy is exhausting, you know, just, just feeling that it's exhausting for me. And, and I don't like that. So the other things that have happened after my age of 21 was reorienting my sexuality. And when I, uh, when I came out at 28 and how abuse had triggered that. And again, I'm going to do another uh, episode in that section sexuality series based on that, because I think that's a lot of useful information that isn't often talked about. And I need to talk about this because I know that I am not the only one out there. You know, I've got another, um, you know, something else that has uh, triggered me uh, was being catfished and how that became one of my greatest life lessons and gifts. And that's another thing I'm going to talk about. But, uh, you know, having that experience, you know, triggered so much stuff in me, not memories, but man, my body and my emotions and my senses. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a big one, but it was also a huge gift. And I will get into that because then I can get into more detail about why it was a gift. And so I just kind of want to wrap up here um, a little bit. Like I said, I just want to make this a really quick episode. So if you have any questions for, for me or something that doesn't make sense to you and you'd like some more clarity on, or you just want to leave a comment on about a particular episode, then please let me know. You can contact me through my website on the blog page, which you'll find under the happy pill. And each blog has its own little section. So you can just add your comments or questions in there. And also on the Podbean app where uh, Podbean is my host site for the podcast. So you can just click on a comment there. All right, my friends, I really hope that this um, little episode gives some clarity to you from the last episode to this one, offering um, more information, a little bit more clarity, you know, and the the activation of memories and stuff like that from my my entire life. If it's not clear, let me know. I'll try and clear it up in another episode or not. Or you know what? Honestly, some of the stuff is just going to come through in other things that I'm going to be talking about or with interviews with guests and sharing some information. But if there's some absolute confusion, let me know. 
you know, I'll certainly respond and, and message back. Otherwise, I hope you have enjoyed, you know, this, this little episode and we're going to be moving on into the next one. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you or someone you know is in immediate need of help, please contact your local authorities, distress center, or professional care provider. If you'd like more information on this episode or other topics, go to my website, UrsulaYou'reDone.com.